0: you know not to invest only works if there is a lack of capital well if you don't invest but the second investor invests you're not really doing very much i don't really believe in not investing i believe in engaging and i don't believe in engaging as an external party i believe as buying a position in a company becoming an owner and fighting for my interests
1: Welcome to the Boardroom and Beyond podcast, a show dedicated to exploring corporate governance best practice. I'm your host, Lindsay Zhang. In each ESG in Action episode, I invite passionate ESG experts and professionals to share their professional services, creative ideas, and inspiring stories and talk about how they are making an impact on business sustainability, social well-being, and corporate ESG integration. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first ESG in Action episode. I'm very excited to have NOVA Asadi on the show with me to talk about NOVA's material engagement strategy. NOVA is a sustainable investment professional and experienced activist investor with extensive corporate engagement experience. As we are producing this episode, Noah just accepted a position as acting chief strategy and ESG officer at Mark Labs, a data analytical company based in Washington, D.C. Noah's engagement with Mark Labs marks a new chapter of his material engagement strategy and the ESG software solution from Mark Labs. I want to congratulate Noah for his new role, and I hope you, our audience, will enjoy this ESG in Action inaugural show with Noah. Welcome, Noah, to the show.
0: Uh, Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for making your time available for the conversation. Before we start, I would love to learn more about your impressive career. And uh, what inspired you about this material engagement strategy?
0: I think this goes back to about 10 years ago when I started full-time investing. And at that time, I was looking for an edge, for an investment edge. And I figured shareholder activism was the right way to go about it. I analyzed hundreds of companies, and I noticed there was a large number of them that had deficiencies in terms of corporate governance and corporate strategy. And my approach was to to engage with these companies or perhaps even to pressure these companies to improve their performance in the hope that once improved, uh, they improve their uh, corporate governance practice or align their uh, corporate strategy uh, better, the market would take notice and that would generate alpha. I started my um, my focus on the energy sector, uh, specifically companies that were dual listed in uh, on the, Tor- the Stock Exchange and the New York Stock Exchange. And, and I got involved in a number of high profile activist campaigns. And And the reason they became activist campaigns is that when you engage with companies, they're not always receptive to follow your recommendation. And that entails, uh, you know, putting more pressures and, and, and an activist campaign Means in my case, the, the, the issue became public and, and I reached out to other shareholders and I pressured these companies to improve their performance. And I was successful in a number of these campaigns, and, and that encouraged me to, to form a company in 2014 called uh, Simper Augustus Capital that was formed uh, around the same idea of active uh, ownership. And I continued to engage with companies for four years around uh, a number of issues but again with a focus on corporate governance and corporate strategy. But but by by 2018, I I had an interest in expanding my engagement efforts on uh, environmental and social issues. And I, I, I felt that the world was not moving fast enough to address the sustainability challenges we have. But the company I built was not really built for that purpose. So I dissolved that company and I spent about two years immersing myself into sustainable investing and specifically the you know, the SASB accreditation and, and the CFA ESG investing uh, accreditation. And I, once I felt that I, I, I've learned enough about the E and the S of the ESG acronym, I thought about how could I make a difference? How could I come in into this market and actually move the needle around these issues? And, and this is how I came with the idea of material engagement. And material engagement is is an idea derived from the idea of materiality when it comes to sustainability because not every company in every industry has the same uh, sustainability factors. Uh, I mean, an oil company or a telecommunication company or an airline or a retail uh, or a healthcare company have different sustainability profile and they could make a difference or have an impact in their area of operation depending on the kind of business they do so I looked at the frameworks that exist today that deals with materiality and sustainability disclosure, and I came across SASB, and SASB uh, standard, which stands for the Sustainability Accounting Board standards. They uh, they developed a framework that is that ties materiality into sustainability. So they index companies into 79 industries depending on their sustainability profile. So w- well, the only thing I did was to take that framework, marry it with the Sustainable Development Goals, and and produce a roadmap for people who want to engage around a specific issue. So let's say let's take SDG six in terms of water, water security, and water stewardship. If you follow my approach. Uh, it will show you which kind of company, which industry you should engage with in order to get the maximum impact on on water sustainability. And the same for SDG3 around health or or SDG13 around climate change. And since I published my slide deck actually promoting that concept, I've had a lot of interest. And I can tell you as we continue this conversation about the efforts I'm doing to actually implement this process, throughout the industry if i can
1: wonderful i noticed on your presentation deck there is a subtitle called the missing link then material engagement so that indicates you identified a gap and would you be able to share with us what has been missing in your opinion
0: Excellent question, Lindsay. As always, your your podcasts are full of excellent questions. The way I think about it is we have today $100 trillion of assets that are aligned with the UNPRI, the principle for responsible investing. We have a lot of momentum around ESG, I believe in Canada today, the majority of funds are ESG funds, there is a tremendous amount of capital flowing towards this industry. So if you look at the, at the chart of the, of the capital that's been accumulated with an ESG intent, it's, it's impressive. But at the same time, you look at the underlying sustainability issues that this capital is supposed to address And we see they're also moving upward. And that means they're moving the wrong directions, whether it is uh, GHG uh, emissions, whether it is the uh, inequality coefficient, whether it is CO pay, on a large range of issues, we uh, we have not either progressed enough or we're not progressing at all. So what is the missing link? For me, the missing link is, well, the capital is there. The issues are what they are. We know what they are. So the missing link is this capital making itself felt. And that's where engagement comes in, where where, where capital literally gains a voice. An engager is somebody that actually picks up the phone or writes a letter to a company or addresses a range of companies in an industry and tell them, I own the capital, I am the shareholder, and I am disturbed and concerned about the sustainability performance of our industry or, or our company. And, and hopefully get them to do the right thing. So the missing link is the voice of capital, which is in uh, practical terms, it's engagement and stewardship.
1: Okay, so can you help me understand what is the current shareholder voting process on the market? And what is your process, which is different from current process?
0: Well. The market right now have a multitude of players addressing a multitude of of sustainability issues and and they don't have a unified approach. Uh, Some industry participants, whether it's asset owners or asset managers, don't necessarily care about material sustainability issues. They have policy issues they'd like to address. Certain participants such as Calvert, for example, focus on materiality or financial materiality when they engage with companies. And there are companies that do a a hybrid, uh, for example, Schroeders, they engage both on material and non-material issues. There is no unified approach on on how they do it. And now I'm not necessarily saying everybody needs to engage around material issues. uh, But what I'm trying to say is that starting with financial materiality as the door to get the companies to do the right thing might be the proper approach. Why, why does fi- Why do I focus on financial materiality specifically? Because companies care about profits, they care about revenues, they care about their income, and they care about their fiduciary responsibility, which some of them perceive it to be financial in a sense. So when you approach a board of director and you approach a CEO or a C-suite and you tell them, if you address this sustainability issue, you will have a positive financial return and material financial return. There's a higher chance that they'll be receptive to your offer. rather than just going to them and telling them, well, I care about this issue. You should care about this issue from a moral standpoint. Unfortunately, that doesn't work. The industry does not respond to this kind of moral suasion. So my approach is we start with the material factors. We focus our ask on as well on the the, the, the other side is I focus on the SDGs. The, the UN has already came with 17 sustainable development goals. We don't have to reinvent the wheel and find a new set of sustainability goals people way smarter than I have sat down and they really identified what it, what we need to do in order to improve the the, the earth sustainability profile. So if we focus on these 17 SDGs and we think about it, it's like a magnifying glass. If all the industry were to focus on 17 SDGs and they were all to focus on material issues, then we can move the needle. It's about, it's actually, it's in order to, to get out of the diluted, Uh, The the dilution we have right now when it comes to engagement, if we focus our effort, I think we can move the needle. And I think that's where uh, my approach um, differs. It's looking at the systematic impact uh, of of making a difference at a universal uh, planetary level.
1: Okay. Um, you had experience in those kind of battles, Try to engage with uh, your corporate and you, you shared that you have successful experience. If you can do it again with your material engagement strategy you have today, would that make any difference?
0: Well, I mean, I can do it individually uh, and I'm sure another asset manager can do it individually and other investors can do it individually. The problem is that it, it is not enough for anybody to do it individually. Uh, we need to do it collectively. If you actually, uh, I mean, obviously you're aware of the UNPRI and, and their effort around active um, uh, ownership. Uh, it is, it's, I believe it's the second principle in the, in the UNPRI six principles. Uh, they are working currently on a new uh, approach. It's called Active Ownership 2.0, where they want to focus on uh, on, on a number of issues and specifically collaboration. Um, they they also would like to focus on 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 outcomes, um, but collaboration is is part of that process. So, uh, I think the industry is starting to realize that they cannot engage individually. They need to work collectively. But there are issues with working collectively. Some of them, to be honest with you, are petty issues. And when I say petty issues, is you have two asset managers wanting to take credit that I engage on this and you engage on that, but I, I did more and I want to market that to my people, to my clients that I did better than, than you. So they don't collaborate. It's hard for them to collaborate because also they have other priorities. They have different investment levels. They have, they have different s- strategies because they're not aligned on material, for example, issues. So that collaboration is difficult. So if we can have platforms like a UNPRI facilitating collaboration, I think we are moving in the right direction.
1: Now you bring in different players in this uh, whole process system. We, uh, we talked about individual investor, and obviously in your own uh, experience, you work as an individual investor, try to make an influence, and you had the feeling it's not uh, maybe effective enough. And then now we have asset management from bigger institution investors. So with so many like uh, players on the on market, who will be the best taker for your material engagement? And that can make a big difference.
0: You have, I mean, large asset uh, managers like BlackRock or, or Vanguard or State Street. Obviously, they are, uh, they have heft, they have size, they can move the needle. But I, in my opinion, none of them can move the can move the needle by themselves. They need to work together, and we need a neutral party like the UNPRI, or for example, in, in Australia, you have ACCR the uh, Australasian uh, Centre for Corporate Responsibility you need a neutral party uh, where these participants can work together i think the investor forum in in the uk is is another platform um, is, I, I think all all of these asset owners and asset managers understanding they would like to engage they, they understand that they need to do it's part of of proper uh as part of their stewardship responsibilities, they do need to engage, even if they don't care about sustainability issues fundamentally, uh, since it is in the interest of their clients that they engage around these issues, they would like to engage around these issues. But I don't think any of these actors by themselves can really be that effective. I mean, the the extent of the challenge is bigger than any asset manager. I mean, that's why when you look at the Paris Agreement, it's the whole planet that has to work together. So we can't expect private actors to work alone.
1: Mm-hmm. I understand uh, what you mean. We have to have mutual organizations to establish those uh, mom- uh, those movements and standardized standard. But uh, with uh, my conversation with different uh, investors, especially from the institution investor standpoint, if they have like thousands, hundreds of companies in their profile, how can they become so active and so in- involved into any specific one? And I think they rely on the pro- proxy uh, advisor firm like ISS or uh, Glass-Lewis to give them advice and sometimes maybe help them to make the, the voting. Val- make, make val- so do you suggest your material engagement strategy apply to, maybe apply to better for those uh, proxy agency And they are really the the provider, service provider, to collaborate all the ideas and make influence. Or do you suggest all the investors, individual investors, should apply your strategy?
0: Well, I think everybody has a role to play. But one of the advantages of the material engagement approach, it actually cuts down on the number of companies or industries, any specific investor or owner, uh, needs to engage on because it is it is really distilling it down to the most important actors within an industry. That that's really one of the benefits of 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 engaging in that way. So so let's say you would like to you know engage the oil sector. There are thousands and thousands of companies in the oil sector, but as we as we both know and pr- pretty much everybody knows, there there's a handful of super majors that have far more impact than the smaller players. So if you find and target the largest players in an industry, you can make a difference because a lot of these, a lot of industries, especially if you look for example at technology today, it's dominated by a handful of companies. So you don't need to engage with every little startup. And that's really I think why if you match the the collective firepower of the asset owners and the asset managers and focus it down on the most material operators within these industries i think you could you could engage uh and you could in, in, engage them effectively now the proxy advisors they really have an important role to play uh but i would use them as uh as a secondary source it, they are already moving to integrate esg requirement in their recommendations um, but it is in many cases it is a timid implementation the industry overall is quite timid in the way it operates around sustainability. I'll give you an example recently, BlackRock came with their 2021 stewardship expectations. They were applauded for what, they, uh, what they're doing because they want to support more shareholder resolutions, and I applaud them for it as well, and they're trying to be more assertive. So I, I'm not certainly not downplaying that, but when I went through the document. And keep in mind, BlackRock is the largest asset manager in the world, over $7 trillion. It was, it struck me as not an ambitious document. It was a timid document, trying to not to shake the boat too much, but they, they are moving in the right direction and i understand they have uh, many parties to to deal with they have to balance multiple interests they are not activists they are also they are money managers they have responsibility to their clients and there there are other pressures they are dealing with the problem is the sustainability issues we have today they don't care about a given asset manager's priorities the earth is warming up inequality is getting worse uh a lot of, of the social and environmental issues, whether it's biodiversity laws uh, or others, they can't wait for, for, for these agencies or these asset managers to, to, to get up to speed because they uh, physically operate at its own speed. So we have to catch up with it. And that's why I want the industry to be more, uh, more proactive. At the end of the day, it is in their interest because if they address these issues, they help addressing these issues, they will create more wealth for their clients, than letting the the world basically uh, run uh, uh, toward its uh, uh, you know toward uh, 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 an unsustainable outcome uh, whether it's social or, or or environmental
1: I understand because I, when I read your uh, material engagement deck there is uh, I think one chat very impressive for me is uh, for the next uh, for the past decade although there's so many uh movement so many standards came out but the impact on the corporate side is very little and that means the uh either the investor is not doing enough job or making enough influence and then i'm my question is uh again come back to this because i i talked with some investor institution investors. I ask them how they make influence and the one answer is uh, one way to make in- influence is not to invest. If I don't like it, I just I'm just out. So that way uh, give the company a signal you have to make improvement. But here we're talking about to, to make them you know so I'm still disconnected about between the individual investor and the institution investor? Because as an individual investor, you're part of the company. You want the company to do good. So do you see how can can your strategy bridge this gap between the individual and the institution investor?
0: Well, you know, not to invest only works if there is a lack of capital. Well, if you don't invest, but the second investor invests, you're not really doing very much. I don't really believe in not investing, I believe in engaging. And I don't believe in engaging as an external party, I believe as buying a position in a company, becoming an owner and fighting for my interests. And by the way, this is not just about being altruistic. A lot of research has shown, if you actually engage companies on material sustainability issues, a specific paper by, by Harvard, I think was published 2016, that showed if you engage on sustainable, materially sustainable, uh, sorry, material sustainability issues, According to SASB, uh, you will see an improved performance, financial performance, accounting performance, and sustainability performance in the companies you engage with. So uh, those institutional investors, they need to understand that if they do engage and actually improve the performance uh, of, of their investee companies, they will generate alpha. They will generate returns for their clients. So they don't have to do it because it's the right thing to do. They should do it because it's the profitable thing to do. That happens to be the right thing to do.
1: How do you feel about the, the pressure, or I, I, I hate to say, but it's more like extra work from the company standpoint? Because I heard, especially recently with uh, SEC in the US, kind of pushed back about the activist investor because they are thinking this is giving too much work, too much uh, pressure to the corporate. How do you take that stand?
0: I think that's another reason why material engagement is the right approach. So, so you as a company, you get engaged on a limited set of issues that are material to you, and you don't get a hundred different engagement on certain issues that might not be material. Um, uh, at the, but at the end of the day, companies are used to having, especially public companies, they have thousands of shareholders and shareholders get in touch with them all the time for a host of issues, a lot of them financial, but they could be non-financial. I mean, a company, when it goes public, it has a set of responsibilities and a set of rights and and um, shareholders will should be allowed to ask questions. And if a company doesn't have the resources to manage these questions, then they should hire the resources to deal with these questions. And if they actually improve their performance, then there's no need for people to engage with them. Uh, but I mean, it is it is a challenge, but that's why Uh, we need to align uh, both the investors and the corporations around the issues that are most material. I mean, every time you ask me a question like that, Lindsay, you're really making my point for me. Because if we engage on everything, then we engage on nothing and we will not move forward.
1: Yes, we have to prioritize what we want the company to make improvement. Do you also suggest uh, more like a a third-party service provider uh, to help collaborate the effort, make analysis analysis for the material uh, factors and uh, so maybe collect the investors' opinion that make one effort. Instead of, you know, thousands of investors trying to have the company do things, maybe just collaborate to one or two limited agencies' hand. hands. Let, let those agencies... Uh, communicate with
0: the company. Absolutely, that's another benefit of collaboration. That's really the what I was saying earlier. We need more collaboration. So you, as a company, you don't have a hundred antilocutor. You deal with only one. So you know you have multiple investors under one umbrella. Now the thing is, it's easier said than done. The problem is there's a lot of regulation today that disallow investors from working together. If you act in concert as a group, the regulator will say, well, you're violating certain rules. You're acting as a block of shares. You have to register them in a certain way. There are consequences. I, myself, as an activist, I had to deal with this kind of pushback from companies. When I mentioned I had support from other shareholders, immediately they would say, oh, but are you acting illegally? Are you building groups? Why aren't you doing this or that? So uh, so, so we need also to engage, actually, not just the company. We need to engage the regulators. The regulators, they should facilitate investor collaboration on ESG issues. As long as you are engaging around a set of issues that are agreed upon by the collaborator and that, sorry, by the regulator, and that brings me back to material issues, if we agree on what these material issues are and you're allowed to freely uh, work together uh, as shareholders, Without, you know, having the wrath of the company accusing you of, of, of acting in concert in violation of the regulation, I think then we could also move uh, forward. So it's, it's not, and, 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 and by the way, this is something, I go back to the UNPRI, this is something also they're trying to engage on, and I certainly salute any organization or, or private or public that's trying to address these issues from these different angles.
1: Okay, with the companies you have been working with, you you deal with. I know it's confidential reason, but we don't have to mention company's name. Would you be able to give us example for? how you work with them, why do you think it's not really working well, and uh, let's see with the new material in, uh, engagement strategy, if we're bring in, if we are able to collaborate the, the effort between different individual investors, or maybe even uh, between individual investor group and the uh, institution investor group, what will be the different outcome?
0: For me, on a personal level, as an investor, as somebody who had an activism background, my engagement worked uh, quite well. I was, I was able to generate value for, uh, for all the shareholders that supported me and worked with me. And, and a lot of the companies I engaged with uh, either improved their corporate governance or, or eventually got sold or they consolidated and they cut a lot of fat, if, if I could say that. But uh, the problem why it's not working, well, because it's one company at a time. Uh, I mean, it's not, it, and it's also smaller companies. And I, I mean, I've been uh, relatively successful, but I don't have billions of dollars at my disposal to buy a position in Axon and, and and push them to do the right thing, which incidentally, by the way, activist shareholders are, they've been pressuring Axon of late to improve their, their climate performance. Uh, and they're acting, uh, I actually published an article about that recently called Sustainable Activism, where I think... Uh, uh, there is room for, for investors to, to form activist groups with a sustainable mission, where they really pressure these companies on sustainability issues and they go as far as taking a board seat uh, or, or, or vie for a board seat in order to improve the company's sustainability performance. But to go back to, to your question, the collaboration um, amplifies the impact and allows investors to, to, to attack bigger targets where we could have an impact. Because we as shareholders, one of the perennial problems for public shareholders is we are a fragmented group of people. And we have different interests. Institutional investors, they have their policy, they have their constraints, they have their uh, ways of doing things. Private investors, they have their set of interests. Some are short-term, some are medium-term, some are long-term. And it is getting shareholders to work together, it's like herding cats it's very difficult and this is why we need parties and neutral parties people who are skilled whether they're engagement services or uh, uh other kind of quasi uh, uh private public or private collaboration where these investors can feel at ease that if they join this efforts uh everybody will get credit and they will get better outcomes and they will improve most importantly they'll improve the the sustainability performance at the companies where they're invested which means they will increase their resilience and improve the value of these investments, which is what they should be doing and what they should be thinking about every day of every week.
1: So you basically, with your experience, you basically personal uh, work, uh, uh, acting as the agency, more or less, like, because you are the one organized, the uh, approach organized. How do you convince other investors? Maybe you care about uh, the corporate governance issue. You know, another one maybe care more about the, the government, uh, you know, the e- environmental issue. Another one maybe said, I don't care. As long as I have good profit, I don't really care. How do you convince those people working together with you?
0: Well, you have to be as charming as myself. well, I mean, honestly, uh, well, well, it's it's about communication, Lindsay. You have to first. You have to understand what what is that invest. What is the investor you are talking to, has or she or he has in terms of priorities, what they want to accomplish, why are they invested in that same company you are invested in? Obviously, there is a reason. That I hold the stock and they hold the stock. And within these reasons, there's a point where we meet. There's a reason that we both believe in something. Maybe we believe in the product or the management or the industry. So I try to find that common ground. And building on that common ground, I try to explain to them that if we do this, we will enhance the value of the company. And if we enhance the value of the company and make it more resilient, more profitable, at the end of the day, if they are investors, that's what they want. Now, some investors, they would say, oh, no, I I will not do that because, you know, there are free riders. I mean, I will do the effort and some investors will not do anything. For me, that logic uh, does not halt because the fact that somebody else would benefit from what you're doing should not stop you from doing something that benefits yourself. So I, I don't really worry too much about the free rider problem. I worry about doing the right thing for my clients if I was if I was an institutional investor and doing the right thing for myself if I was a private investor
1: so then do you see the philosophy the technology you have been used for your previous experience can be uh, used in a bigger company with a bigger money bigger organization and uh, big investors basically
0: I certainly believe it can unfortunately it's been hard for me to break in into the institutional space I have I mean I'm just To to be frank with you, I I talked with a lot of institutional investors who were very impressed with my background. They were very impressed with my material engagement. And at the end of the day, they go back to me and they say, Oh, but you didn't work in an institution. I don't know if you can fit with us. And they, they shy away. So the, the industry, in a way, is close-minded. They're not open to new ideas. The finance industry is not well-known for uh, being an innovative industry. Uh, they are—they're uh, not—they're followers. They're not leaders. I mean, you see what the fin, the fintech uh, companies have done to the banking system, to to the banking stocks. Uh, so that's unfortunate. But what I try to tell these companies is that people like myself who have an activist background have a lot to offer them in the sense that we have put our money on the line. I did not engage with companies as a mercenary. I engage with companies with my own capital. Uh, that means that somebody who put his money in, 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 in uh, where, where his mouth is, and I think people like myself can certainly make an impact. At the end of the day, uh, you may have a different process with an institution. You have to understand that you're operating with more constraints. You have to be careful about what you say, to whom you say it, how fast you escalate. How, it, it, these things are, uh, are, for me, are trade-offs. Yes, you, have to, you operate in a more constrained space in an institution, but you also have a much bigger stick. You have a big name behind you. And you can get the corporation, whether it's the CEO or the CFO or the, or the, or, or, or the chairman or, or the lead director to sit with you and take your concerns seriously and act on them. That's all what I want to do. That's all I think what an engagement and effective engager can do is get talk to these people who are at the end are the decision makers in these companies uh as as long as they are in control of these companies and and they can they can move the, the needle on these issues. It's not about ego, it's not about control. It's just about improving the sustainability performance of these companies to to the goodness of all of us, not just the company we're engaging with. Mm-hmm.
1: Understand. And also it's my understanding you have been working with a technology company, Mark Lab Technology, to implement your strategy into their Software product, how do you see this rolling back to the institution investor? Because by the end of the day, for example, in U.S. uh, stock market, in average 17% of the uh, ownership of a company is owned by institution investors. So I believe your destination is to influence them eventually. How do you bridge that?
0: About two months ago, I was contacted by Mark Labs, and they, they were very interested in my material engagement approach. And um, it, it's, uh, it's a company that's been working on impact and measurement uh, uh, for some time now. They have an amazing team, and they have accomplished a lot with uh, relatively little resources, but they're getting a lot of momentum, and, and a lot of backers are interested in what they're doing today. But anyways, they did reach me, and reach out to me and they wanted to integrate my uh, material engagement process within their software specifically that idea of materiality sasb and sdgs so for the last two months uh been working with them every day we have already put the uh, the blueprints of, uh, of we've already mapped uh, the majority of the SDGs to indicators uh, uh, that are tied to the SASB frameworks, and we're in the process of turning them into a software solution, where hopefully, with you know one click, uh, you could uh, you could see the material factors for a specific SDG uh, and how it impacts different industries. And interestingly enough, just today Lindsay uh, and I did not plan it that way. It just happened to be this way the SASB investor group actually published an open letter asking data providers to map SASB indicators and and that 's exactly what we are doing for the last two months. I, I actually just reached out to the team in Marklabs. labs I told them we have to contact every asset manager that signed this letter and tell them we are working on this because this is that what this is what the industry is asking for actually. Most of the industry today is aligned behind SASB. It is, it is a very, very powerful framework because it is, it is rooted in the uh, definition of materiality that was put by the Supreme Court in the US and the SEC disclosure language. So it, it already speaks the language of the practitioners in the field. And my relationship with Mark Labs is just taking this concept and, and turning it into an automated software solution. And I have not been involved with the development of a software solution to the extent I have been over the last couple of months. And it's been really amazing, uh, especially when you work with a group of brilliant people.
1: Do you have any investment interest in this company or just the pure as an advisor?
0: I'm just a pure advisor I mean it's uh, I, I will see how the relationship will develop over over, over the coming months and years but uh, right now as an advisor it's been it's it's been working well it, it's possible I may at some point uh, join the board of directors and have a bigger say but we'll see how it develops so far I'm I'm very happy with the collaboration with Mark Labs and and if anybody listening to this podcast they should check Mark Labs and see what they're doing
1: yeah, wonderful, that sounds wonderful. And uh, I, I will keep eyes open and uh, to, to see how the progress going with uh, your material engagement strategy together with your collaboration with uh, Mark, Mark Labs. With this, I'd like to conclude today's session. But before we finish the conversation, I would like to ask you a few get-to-know-my-guest questions. So our audience and uh, you and myself can get to know you better. Sure. Okay. So the first question, investor is a professional job working under high pressure. It's my understanding. So what is your best therapy to depress yourself?
0: By actually reading more about my investments. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, 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 and and let me explain that. It, it, what, for me, I, I'm more comfortable owning any position if I really understand what's going on. Uh, and one way to, to deal with... Uh, uh, uncertainty it's to educate yourself to to the maximum extent you can you can so I read a lot but actually building on that and outside of of, of reading about companies I, I'm just uh, an avid reader myself I read a lot of fiction as well I've written a lot of fiction books as well myself so I enjoy very much reading and writing both in a business context and in, in, in a literary context
1: Thank you, I know you published a couple of books. Some of the book is very interesting, that kind of reflect a part of your life journey as well. And that leads to my next question. I know you started your career as an investor in very early age, and you went through some very extreme, dramatic ups and downs in your investment journey. What is your best experience as an investor so far?
0: I believe it's my activist campaigns. They've been very invigorating. Uh, they were very exciting. They were, uh, they were also quite risky, but you cannot imagine, Lindsay, the, the excitement of fighting a Goliath, a half a billion dollar company against me. And what I, there were points where I put every penny I have in fighting a given company. And I would work day and night trying to get shareholders to be on my side. I would publish the central website. I would write the content. I would make the media uh, campaigns. And I would get creative with it. I, I'll, I'll tell you an anecdote, an anecdote uh, Lindsay. And, and I don't think anybody has ever done that in the history of activism. I was once trying to engage with the board of director of a company in Calgary. And the board would not engage with me and the other shareholders they just would not speak with, with us it, it was just like a, a little kid who says no i don't speak with you so i started what i uh, called uh, the lollipop campaign where i asked a hundred supporting shareholders to send two lollipops for each board member and if, in about two weeks i would say about a third of of the uh, of the shareholders did comply with my request And within two weeks over 500 lollipops built up at the premises of that company. Uh, because, and my message was, if you will behave like kids, we will treat you like kids. And uh, at the end of the day, we did manage to get them to talk to us, but I remember insiders at the company, they were really, they were laughing at at uh, at this flow of lollipops that kept coming to the reception, and I was just I was just having fun with it. And I remember my lawyer at the time; he said, "I've covered a lot of activist campaigns, and I didn't see people. I've never seen anybody do that. And I've done a lot of things like that to get attention. I've run viral videos and funny videos, and and I just I have fun with it because I I, I enjoy what I do. And if you enjoy what you're doing, you you know you can really excel at it."
1: Thank you. It's very naughty, but very creative. <laughs> okay, last question. Last time when I asked you to share with me a picture, a non-professional picture, you sent me a picture with your wife, which, by the way, is a, very, it's a lovely picture. I can see you guys very in love with each other. Can you share with me the best date you have with your wife?
0: That's a tough question, because every day I live with my wife is the best day in my life. I can't pick one, but uh, perhaps the most striking was the first time I, I met her uh, in, in, in Europe. Perhaps it was the day we got married. Uh, uh, perhaps the first day I woke up and she was next to me in the morning. I mean, w- what I have with my, with my wife is, is a very deep connection. Uh, she is the meaning of my life and the reason of my existence. I actually co-wrote a book with her called Love in Pixels, uh, which we hope to publish next year. And uh, me as an existentialist writer, outside of my investments, I searched for a long time for a reason of why I was put on this earth. And when I met my wife, I, I, um, I met that reason.
1: Mm, what a lovely statement. Thank you. I, 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 yeah, I believe everybody will enjoy this statement and get to know you as a very, uh, you know, love Husband, thank you so much for sharing this novel. And so with this, uh, I think uh, uh, now I want to thank you again for introducing the very impressive material engagement strategy. Like I said, I would love to follow up with you uh, to see how the collaboration goes on with the uh, Mark Labs, and uh, maybe we can make a, uh, another conversation later of the year to, uh, with some progress. And uh, I will definitely invite you back to the podcast with my guests again. Thank you again for your time, and uh, I look forward for our next session.
0: Thank you so much, Lindsay. It was a great conversation, and best, uh, best of luck with the ESG in Action podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. My most recent publication, China's Corporate Governance Development and ESG Evaluation, has been selected by the Emerging Markets Institute at Cornell University and is under review for 2020 EMI Annual Report. The article unlocks creative corporate governance models of China multinationals like Alibaba, Huawei, Hire, reviews major differences of corporate governance between China and the U.S., and introduces China local ESG rating systems. The article is now available for free download through our website, boardroomandbeyond.com, where you will also find show notes, takeaways, blog articles, and more. Thank you so much for listening Boardroom and Beyond podcast episode. ESG is in action. Join me as we work together to make the world better one actor at a time. To find out more about our guests, other episodes, additional resources and links, please visit our website boardroomandbeyond.com. Please follow us on LinkedIn, Apple, Spotify, or whenever you are listening now for future episodes. I've been your host, Lindsay Zhang. Thanks again for listening.